Um, I want to thank you, uh, church, for your prayers and your support for my family, my wife. Uh, some of you uh, know that um, Saturday a week ago, my father-in-law went to be in the Lord's presence after uh, having been in hospice for quite some time. He was 91 years old. Uh, and, um, and so he, he went to the Lord's presence. The Lord gave an opportunity to my wife and I to be with him last Friday, the, the day before he passed, and to pray with him, sing with him, uh, and, uh, and just to, uh, to say bye to him. And then the Lord took him the following day. Uh, we had his funeral on Thursday in Fort Worth. And we're able to remember his life. You know, he uh, went to the Valley Baptist Academy in Brownsville. He went to youth camp at Cone Oasis. So he has uh, some uh, background here in the Valley. He was an army veteran. And so uh, obviously that time in the ceremony when there are military honors and they gave my mother-in-law the flag, it's a very moving time. But uh, we had the opportunity to, to uh, honor my father-in-law. And I'm so thankful for your support and your prayers just as we were traveling, as we were away, and now we came back yesterday and we brought my mother-in-law back with us. And uh, thank you for your prayers for her. She's gonna be with us a few days uh, so that she's not by herself and, and we're thankful for that opportunity. But uh, kind of moving to a little lighter note, I want you to know that my first encounter with my father-in-law wasn't, let's just say it wasn't my best moment. Let's just say that way. I was 16 years old and uh, my wife was 15, and, uh, and my dad was pastoring a church, and they had come to visit our church, and after church, we went out to eat, and, and it was before cell phones and before social media. This is a picture of my father-in-law, by the way, Isaac Sodia. And so um, uh, I asked for her phone number, and, uh, and she gave me her phone number, which was really exciting for me, and, uh, and so she, she claims that she didn't, but I had it, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, so um, uh, a few days later, I called to uh, invite her to uh, a church activity, a youth activity. And, you know, when you didn't have cell phones, you had to call the landline and somebody in the house would answer. And so I thought my father-in-law was going to be so appreciative that a young man like me would invite his daughter to a church event. And so I called. It was 9.05 at night. And uh, I said, uh, he answers it. Hello. I said, uh, Mr. Sodi. He said, Yes. I said, this is Julio Warneri. He goes, yes. And I said, you know, the, the pastor's son from the church you visited last night? He goes, yes. <laughs> and I was like, well, I hope you're doing okay. I just wanted to see if I could invite your daughter, Monica, to a youth event at our church this coming Friday. And he said, my daughter doesn't speak to anybody after nine o'clock at night. And he hung up. And so that was the start of my relationship with Isaac, Sodia, and... It didn't get smooth right away, continued to be challenging for a while, uh, and then eventually we became really close, and he had respect for me, and I have respect for him. He liked my brisket and my preaching, and he let me marry his daughter, so I can't complain. And, and, and I, I didn't really understand that kind of protective attitude until my daughter wanted to date. The, <laughs> Then I understood that, and so my son-in-law probably had to go through some things uh, in that process. I want you to know my relationship with my father-in-law was the best before he passed, and my relationship with my son-in-law is really good. But 
a father's role is to be a protector. And sometimes as human fathers, we get it wrong. Sometimes we, we overprotect or we underprotect. But do you know that the Heavenly Father never gets it wrong? That the Heavenly Father wants to be our protector and that he always gets it right. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray for the Father's protection. At the end of the model prayer that we've been going over for several weeks, Jesus teaches us to pray, but deliver us from the evil one. But deliver us from the evil one. See, Jesus knows the Father like no one else knows him. And so when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he is giving us an insider's look. He says, look, I know the Father. I know his character. I know what he can do. I know how he is. And so if you want to talk to him, let me give you some direction. I wish I had had that when I called my father-in-law. An insider's look. But Jesus gives us that when we call on the Father. And so uh, when he says, pray, but deliver us from the evil one is because Jesus knows that, that the Father can do that and wants to do that. We have been in a series uh, we call Your Kingdom Come over the model prayer. And in this series, we have explored six requests, the six requests of the model prayer. And we've put them in a, in a little graphic that I hope uh, will help you uh, grow in the use of this prayer and in your relationship uh, with the Father. The Lord's Prayer uh, is a prayer about the Father's character. It's a prayer about the Father's kingdom. It's a prayer about the Father's provision. It's a prayer about the Father's forgiveness. It's a prayer about the Father's guidance and it's a prayer about the Father's protection. So here it is. When you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, you're praying the Father's character, and that's important. When you're praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're praying for the Father's kingdom. When you're praying give us this day our daily bread, you're praying for the Father's provision. When you're praying and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, you're praying for the Father's forgiveness. When you're praying and do not lead us into temptation, you're praying for the Father's guidance. And when you're praying but deliver us from the evil one. You're praying for the Father's protection. Those are the six requests of the model prayer and they should guide the disciples' prayer life. And so let's talk about that sixth request, but deliver us from the evil one. When we pray that, the first thing that we do is we recognize the presence of evil. The praying disciple recognizes that evil is present around him or her. We can be optimistic. We can believe the promises of God. We can sing the songs that we sang today, and I'm glad that we do. But if we ignore the fact that evil is around us, we're going to find ourselves in trouble or we're going to be greatly disappointed. I don't think I have to convince you of this. In fact, some of you might be a little overwhelmed by the evil that you see around you. You see the darkness is advancing. And it reminds me of Tolkien's literary masterpiece, The Lord of the Rings, and the Shire. In the Shire, the hobbits live there and it is a lush place. It's green and it's beautiful. It's peaceful. They eat well. They drink well. They have fun. They get along. But somewhere in the distance looming, there's Mordor. And, and there in Mordor, uh, evil 
is growing and moving and expanding and is there's the possibility that one day he may get to the shire and that's concerning even in the garden of eden the perfect paradise the enemy was trying to occupy space that did not belong to him and he was given an opportunity let me tell you something about the enemy every time he's given an opportunity he will seize it he will take it that's why the bible tells us in first peter 5 8 be alert and of sober mind Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What a vivid picture of the enemy, like a a hungry lion that that is out there looking for his prey. And, And that's why we pray, deliver us from the evil one, from that roaring lion that's prowling about, looking for someone to devour. We are watching out for him. And here's the, the reality that we need to really come to terms with, the fact that you and I have a sinful nature. Even though we have been forgiven, even though we have been redeemed, there's still a sinful nature within us. And that means that sometimes the devil takes advantage of that. It's like he has a little insider look into our lives. And so uh, we must remember that our sinful nature cannot be trusted. We cannot be left to our own devices. Our sinful nature is prone to being deceived, to being misled by the enemy. And so that's why it's so concerning that we have an ethic today that is something like just be yourself. Whatever you feel like being, that's what you need to be or that's what you need to do. That's dangerous. See, this whole thing of gender identity is, is bigger than gender. It's really a bigger thing because it has to do with a lie. Here's the lie. The lie is that you can trust what you feel. The lie is that you can trust your sinful nature's inclination. That whatever your sinful nature feels like doing or being or trying, that it's okay. Well, you know, Eve felt like eating the forbidden fruit. But it didn't go well for her. And it hasn't gone well for us since then. It's only the devil working in tandem with the sinful nature that can make someone feel like going into a school and using an assault rifle to kill people. It's only the devil working in tandem with our sinful nature that can make someone feel like cheating on their wife over and over again. That's what they felt. It's only the devil working in tandem with our sinful nature that can make someone devalue human life, whether it's a baby in the womb or whether it's mistreating someone from a different race or ethnicity because they're different. And if the devil and our sinful nature cannot be trusted with the sacredness of human life, if the devil and our sinful nature cannot be trusted with the sacredness of marriage, why would we trust them with issues of identity and sexual ethic? Just because we feel something doesn't mean it's right. We need to be aware of the presence and the danger of the evil one. Be careful with the desires of your heart when they're not in submission to the Lord. That's why we pray, but deliver us from the evil one. When we do, we recognize his presence and the danger that he brings. And secondly, we also make a commitment to resist the plotting of the devil. Praying and deliver us from evil is a request from God, but it's also a commitment to be aligned with him. That if he will deliver us from the evil one, that we are committed to stay away 
from the evil one. When, when we pray for his kingdom to come, we are asking that he be king. And that means that anybody who tries to usurp the throne, we want them dethroned. That, that we want the imposter king to be removed. C.S. Lewis writes the Chronicles of Narnia and when he talks about Prince Caspian, he has an uncle, that's King Miraz. He, he has killed Prince Caspian's father so that he can become king. And, and, and he's a false king. He's an imposter. And, and he um, is, is an evil king. He's an oppressing king. Uh, and and, and when, when there's a battle between the Narnians uh, and the Telemarines, Lucy in that battle is sent to go look for Aslan. Aslan, right? That's, there's power in Aslan. But as, he goes, as she goes to look for Aslan, there is this desire to defeat Maras. See, desiring that the king take his place goes along with a desire that the false king be dethroned. I believe that many Christians live defeated Christian lives because they are not concerned about the evil one being dethroned. We don't really get bothered by evil anymore. Some of us don't hate sin. We, we become inoculated to sin. We become used to it. We're, we're indifferent to it. No wonder that the church needs a spiritual awakening. No wonder that, that, that we need the Holy Spirit to awaken us again because we're just not angry enough at the sin, at the enemy. If we want the Father's protection, we need to be willing to resist the devil. We can't do it on our own, but we must want to do it. James chapter four, verse seven says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What an incredible promise. That, that if we submit ourselves to God, if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. There, there, there is no fear. There is nothing that tells us that the devil is always going to be around us until he defeats us. There is a way out. Jesus showed us how to do that in the wilderness. You remember when Jesus was tempted by the enemy? Every time the enemy brought a temptation to Jesus, Jesus resisted him. He did not negotiate with him. He did not list the pros and cons. He did not consider, well, what if maybe, maybe I don't make all the stones into bread. Maybe I just make a little bit of bread. He, he didn't even entertain the thought. He resisted the devil. He quoted scripture. And after three times, the devil fled. The devil left him. And Jesus teaches us, you can do the same thing. Submit yourself to the father and resist the devil and he will flee from you. I have flown hundreds of times domestic flights and international flights. I don't even know how many times I've flown, but one thing I can tell you, of every time I have flown, there has been a flight attendant that has gone over the, the safety measures. How to buckle, how to put on the oxygen mask. Sometimes they joke about it, sometimes they're serious. Sometimes they read a script, sometimes they ad-lib it, but they always tell you how to use the oxygen mask and how to use a floating device. And I'm pretty sure that the reason that they do that it's not so that everyone can panic. Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? It's not so that you can be obsessed the whole flight about having a crash or, or ending up in the water and then having to figure out how you're gonna swim. 
That's not what they're trying to do. They're just telling you sometimes things may happen and this is what you do to stay alive. And the Bible does the same thing for us. It says sometimes the enemy is going to come around. Sometimes the enemy is going to try to trip you. This is how you deal with it. You resist him. You stiff arm him. You keep him at a distance. You don't give him the time of day. So when you pray but deliver us from the evil one, you're committing yourself to resisting him. Don't be asking God to protect you from the evil one if you're flirting with him. Don't be asking God to, to protect you from, from evil if, if you're putting yourself in compromising situations. If you're going to ask God to protect you, to deliver you, then you join him. Be on his team. Don't make his job harder. Not that he can't save you, but, but you're not in a place where God can do his best. Listen, if your house is burning, call 911. But get out of the house too. Oh, I already prayed. That's good. I'm glad you called 911. Get out of the house. Re remove yourself from the situation. Flee. Resist. When we pray, deliver us from the evil one. We resist the enemy. And third, we rest in the protection of the Father. We've already mentioned the promise that God gives us here. But we also need to know what God is doing for us. The reason that Jesus tells us but to pray but deliver us from the evil one is because Jesus knows that God can and will deliver us. He has the ability to do so. The Father is fighting your battles even when you don't see it. The Father is protecting you even when you don't know it. There's an occasion when we can see the Father's loving and mighty hand over his children. When the people of Israel are brought out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt, and with a mighty hand, and God opens the Red Sea so they can walk on dry land, and then they journey in the wilderness, and God gives them bread from heaven and water from a rock, and a fire column at night protecting them and providing for them. And then they come to the very edge of the promised land, their destination, the reason they left Egypt. They come there, and right before they claim the promised land, they send spies to scout the land. And most of the spies come back and they say, oh, no, we can't go in there. We can't go in the promised land because there are giants. They're so big, we look like grasshoppers. And so we, we can't step out into the promised land. And you know what God said to them? If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 29, look at what God says here. He says, then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who's going before you will fight for you. As he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. God told the people, look, I brought you from Egypt all the way here and I can take you to the promised land. I will go before you and I will fight for you. You're not alone. Don't worry about the giants. Worry about the one who made the giants. I'll go in with you. You know, the sad thing about it is the people of God didn't believe it. All they had to do was step out in faith. 
All they had to do was believe that God could and claim the promise, but they, they weren't willing to do that and they missed out. They could have looked back at Egypt and at the wilderness to build their faith to enter the promised land, but they didn't. But you and I still have an opportunity when we face the enemy, when we look at the giants around us, when he looks overwhelming, we can look back at the cross and say, there's a God who gave his son for me, who poured out his life for me, who loved me so much that, that he shed his blood for me. And he died and was buried. But on the third day, he rose from the dead with power and authority. And as I look back at the cross and the empty grave, I can trust God to walk me into the next promised land. I can step into whatever is next and know that he will go with me and he will fight for me. He will, if you trust him, if you step out in faith. The scripture tells us to put on the armor of God as an act of faith. Listen, when you put the armor of God on, it doesn't mean you're gonna fight the battle by yourself. It means that you prepare God's way so that you can step into his victory. I love Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, where he says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil into the heavenly realms. Then go all the way to verse 18 and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Notice the importance of prayer in fighting our spiritual battles. Our spiritual battles are not against flesh and blood. So we don't fight them by being angry on social media. We don't fight them by trying to convince people of our political views. That's how the world fights. We fight our spiritual battles with spiritual armor in prayer, trusting that God is fighting our battles, stepping into the battle with him. He can deliver us. He can protect us. All you need to do is step out in faith. And we have the assurance of his kingdom. We have the assurance of his provision. We have the assurance of his forgiveness. We have the assurance of his guidance. We have the assurance of his protection. You know why? Because the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to him. That's why we pray for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We've come to, to the end of this series on the model prayer. Short prayer, powerful, powerful guide for our prayer lives. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray around the Father's character, for the Father's kingdom, for the Father's provision, for the Father's forgiveness, for the Father's guidance, and for the Father's protection. And I wanna encourage you, I hope that this has helped you understand the model prayer. I hope it has enriched your prayer life. I hope it deepens your relationship with the Father. And you can use this sixth request in different ways. I'm just gonna mention one or two real quick as my time has run out. You can pray the six requests in one sitting. You could just go through the Father's character and the kingdom and just pray whatever comes to mind at that time. 
Another way that you can do this is if you're praying for something specific, maybe it's a problem, maybe it's a decision that you're trying to make, maybe it's a situation that you're going through, then you can pray the six requests. What, how do I pray the Father's character around this petition? How do I pray about the Father's kingdom around this decision? How do I pray for the Father's provision in this situation? And, and all around that particular thing that you're praying for, you pray those six things. And another way that you can use it, there's many other ways, but another way you can use it, I'll, I'll just finish with this one, is you can just choose one and focus on that one. One day you can just say, today I'm just going to pray around the Father's character. And I'm just going to see where that, the Spirit leads me with that. And the next day you say, I'm going to pray around the Father's kingdom and pray that. But use this to deepen your prayer life with the Father. I hope that that's what this series has done for you. Would you bow your head with me? as you think about what it is that you need to do to grow in your prayer life, as you think about what commitment God is calling you to do, I was asking you to trust him today. Would you, would you let him know? Maybe you need to grow in your prayer life. Maybe you need to be more disciplined. Maybe there's things in your life that are pulling you down that are giving the devil an opportunity and you need to remove those things from your life. Maybe today you just need to stiff arm the devil and say, stay away. I resist you and I believe you'll flee. I'm claiming the victory of God and the protection of the Father over my life. Maybe for the first time in your life, you need to call God Father by trusting Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Maybe today is the day that you believe that he died for your sins and that he rose to give you new life. Whatever commitment, whatever act of faith, would you do it right now in prayer?